Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm fine today. How are you? I am grand. Mostly. We're back again. Back again. I was going to try to Dr. J rap there, but I can't remember what the lines were. Please don't do that. No. We're back again, and it was supposed to be an exciting day today. We're still going to make it exciting, it's still going to be a good show, but it was supposed to be a dramatic news day, and that has not happened, has it? No. Not today at all. was supposed to be the day that Alex Salmon testified in front of committee at the Scottish Parliament um, against allegations of the Scottish Government making an arse of the investigation, and he's decided not to turn up which is his right, it's not against the law not to turn up, he doesn't have to, but he's protecting himself from potential other lawsuits um, so did not show up, he's saying he could show up on Friday, but his lawyers are going through some bits first what do you think on this, Brownie? So, do you see, when you say he could turn up, is it like I might show up, I might not like like the way you would with like, a family's party you're like, mm, I'm, I might I might show up at like 7 o'clock like show my face, or does he have to confirm? Well, yeah, like it's, it's not like he's not summoned by a judge or something like that, so it's he doesn't have to turn up. No, it's not any sort of legal obligation. But his lawyers are saying basically that they're going through all the information that they've got, seeing if he's going to come on Friday, if it's in his best interest, or if it's going to be of any help. Because he feels at this point that he's been thrown under the bus by the government. So, um, we've got our papers as usual. Here, what the so, press are saying here. What do you think? Do you, if that was you in that situation, would you go and show your face and drop a testimony, or would you be like, "No, nah, nothing good can come cover this"? Um, I think if I was him, <clears throat> I'd be playing the same sort of game as he would be, and that uh, I would try to be protecting myself legally, having gone through a serious court case already. I'd be making sure that I jumped through all the hoops that the crown were saying that I had to. And, making sure that I wasn't, you know, jigsaw identification to anybody and getting MD in potential trouble, including myself. However, um, it's like we've talked about already today, we're saying that Alex Salmond does enjoy having his face on the front cover of papers, does enjoy the publicity and, and causing a bit of drama amongst people and stuff. So maybe this is one of the reasons behind it, is that the longer he draws this out, the more attention he's going to get, because he's getting a hanging on just now, doesn't he? He's mostly in the front of most of the papers today because of it. So, so the situation just... um, the, the situation yesterday was that a 36-page document was put on the Scottish Government's website of the evidence that Alex Salmond submitted, and it was a whole bunch of information um, collated by his lawyer, and it included like, various letters and memos, documents and things. And within a few minutes, the the SPCB, which is the, the, the sort of body within Parliament, um, ordered that that was removed from the website and then it was, I think, subsequently put back up but a whole bunch of it was redacted. So um, in the Herald today saying, Alex Salmond has cancelled today's scheduled appearance at the Holyrood Inquiry about him after his evidence was censored on the advice of prosecutors he had heavily criticised. The former First Minister had been due to testify under oath this afternoon but pulled out after Parliament redacted his submission in line with demands from the Crown Office. Um, and so he, again, he's offered to appear on Friday but this is conditional and I'm taking further legal advice. Um, but he, again, this has come under a lot of criticism from other MSPs, and one of them, MSP Labour, Labour MSP Neil Findlay, said that the Parliament was suffering a crisis of credibility over the censorship of this evidence. So the the questions behind why the Scottish government is doing this is it really to try and protect the women that were involved in the court case and things, or are they try to protect themselves? Because like we've said before, this is not a case of trying to find some sort of guilt in Alex Salmond. That's all been investigated as a court case of which he was cleared of 13 charges. The Scottish, Scottish government had to pay him over £500,000 of taxpayers' money, so that's all been and gone. That's happened. This is an inquiry into the Scottish government's handling of this. And them not allowing this evidence to go out when Alex Salmond is willing for it to go out raises certain questions. Yeah, because he's cleared his name. That he's not done it. They've, they've found him not guilty. So now mm-hmm. he's just pointing the fingers at them, going, "All right, tell me why you look, did you cover?" So they're saying, "Did they cover it up for him, or did they push him under the bus?" That's. And we talked about this on Sunday that a few people within the SNP are tipped to be fired over this to sort of be pushed under the bus. One of them being Nicola Sturgeon's sort of top advisor, Liz Lloyd, the other being her husband, Peter Murrell. So 
that's all still going on as well. Um, so it's in, uh, in an emergency meeting yesterday morning, the SPCB, which is the Scottish Parliamentary Corporate Body, agreed to redact the submission in line with presentations from the Crown Office. It was originally a 36-page submission on the Ministerial Code and was removed from the website and reissued again with five of its 33 sections replaced by purple bars. The one I've got not got any purple bars, so I have I have the original because I went on and just printed screen on all of I them. Will, certain journalists immediately, I mean, well, I personally followed instinct and thought this is not going to remain up there with the information that I saw in there, so I saved it right away. Um, <clears throat> David, so you've seen your documents rolling in. It has seen the document that's put up yesterday. Um, David Mackay, who's Alex Salmond's lawyer of law firm Levy McRae, said Mr Salmond was alarmed at the interference of Crown Office in a parliamentary inquiry, especially after a related legal case earlier this month sought to clarify the issue. So he does personally have, have concerns that the Crown interfered with an issue of Parliament because really it's up to up to the Parliament to hold the Crown to accountability and to push them boundaries and things like that. So the fact that a Parliament is now kowtowing to the Crown and stuff, it's, it's not a good look. Oh, it's not good, but especially in an election year, they want to be keeping yep. those clean for this. I mean, yep. he pretty much wants her to step down. And I think now... That... Like, if he's going down, I'm taking you with me. Yeah. But who would who would step up? Who do you think the new leader would be if that happened? Uh, the Baldy fellow in it. I'm not good with names. Because I'm interested because it's the whole thing here is it's on an election year. Scottish independence is usually fairly strong. The SNP party, or SNP party, so that's the party party. Sorry, mm-hmm. the SNP party party. party, party. <laughs> the SNP have got an almost stranglehold. Like people would vote for them no matter what because they don't like Labour and it's the Conservatives. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't really damage it. People would still vote they, because not many people are like, politically minded. They're just like, this is our team and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an article here from the BBC the other day, 21st of January, um, basically saying that Alex Sand is he's trying to bring the house down. So if he's going down, they're all going with him. Um, for some months, some around Scotland's First Minister hoped Mr Salmond would hold back from directly criticising Miss Sturgeon in a way which could threaten her job, and they believed directly attacking Miss Sturgeon would alienate supporters of Scottish independence, something Mr Salmond wanted to avoid. So he's got that in his mind as well, because regardless of whether or not he's party leader anymore, he still does want independence, but now he's directly attacking the First Minister. Um, and I mean, you've probably seen as well, there's been like, a lot of calls for her to resign, that her time's over and everything um, he's now accusing the First Minister of being malicious, which he's calling a conspiracy theory. Uh, conspiracy theories, as soon as you put the words conspiracy theory in, it, it just dankens it for me. Literally yeah. Just like, uh, jet fuel does melt steel beams. It, just, it gets weird. Um, to go to local news, though, the front cover of the Unit Telegraph today massive headline saying fears toxic chemicals spill out of Ravenscraig site fears are mounting that toxic contaminants may have leached from the polluted Ravenscraig social housing building site dirty flood water spewed out into a busy unit road from the site which has confirmed multiple exceedances of potentially harmful chemicals for more than nine hours and I read the article the Unit Telegraph have done and it's basically slating Inverclyde Council because the Inverclyde Council said that an organisation called SEPA was in charge of dealing with this Somebody contacted CEPA, one of the residents, and they said that the Inverclyde Council was in charge of it, so who's going to deal with it? And basically back and forth went on and on, and still is going on and on. But who's really in charge of this? So it's just washing their hands, it going, no, it's somebody else, no. Um, I see that. No, it's somebody else. So where is the Ravens Creek? Because I think I'm getting mixed up. Is that where well, the old hospital used to be? social housing? I don't know, let me see. Let me look it up on here. Or is that near Because the Ravens Craig Stadium in that area where the big school is now, because it must be that sort of way near the Marks and Spencer's petrol station. It's quite a bit in that area. It's like seeing them. 
near Penny Fent. When I'm looking at it, it looks like that sort of bit at Larkfield. Let's see where they've built the new Domino's and all that. That's what it looks right. like in the photo. Um, if anybody's wanting to see this, you can see it on Green Oak Telegraph's website. It's talking about the, the housing project and stuff like that. And but if anybody does have any information on this, if you live in the, up in that area and you've seen this flood water up there, or any thoughts on that, you can always get in touch with on um, Instagram at Mouth of the Clyde. Or you, you can, can even drop us. a comment on this. I can sort of from it on this just now. You can email us at mouthoftheclyde at gmail.com as well. We can have a chat, whatever you want to chat about. It doesn't need to be dirty flood water. It be about anything you like. What have I got? Well, I've kept with my new, my usual sort of, like, if you're going to go high, I'm going to go low. So right, I got the record you? and the mirror. Because you get the fancier papers. I get the the red tops. So Didn't you the, get the, one the really star today? Or Scottish star? I did get the star. It felt like it was made of fucking toilet paper. Yeah, but not even good toilet paper, like... Train, like, on paper. a train, so oh yeah, like the tracing paper, toilet paper that that cuts your bum bum when you when you use it. But I'm not a fan of it. Like as a paper, it wasn't that good anyway. But what I've got from the record was they're talk the record they're talking about how Netflix have got a new show, and they've got people with bad Scottish accents and also using like they can't the old stereotype of Scottish people are miserable. Measurable, yeah, measurable is the big one that's coming here. Tight and grumpy. Does that make you offended? Um, I know lots of measurable, tight, grumpy Scottish people, but I know. Yeah. But I wouldn't. Would you say that's our stereotype? Well, when you see films and you see a Scot in it, they're usually an alky. An alky, a fucked up alky or junkie. Thanks, Jane Spotting. Oh, usually angry, and they usually slap a big ginger wig on them. Since we're talking on this, <clears throat> could we discuss the worst Scottish accents that we've ever seen portrayed in sort of film or television? Do you have any examples of that? I'm going with one that really, really annoys me, which is James Dooley, that played Scotty. I'm in Star Trek. It's like you never heard a His Scottish name person. James Dooley. James Dooland. Doohan. 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 It's not Dooley. Right. Anyway, the Star Trek me... Scotty guy. Anyway. Right. What even annoys me more, right? But it's kind of cool because I'm a geek. In this, the town that he's born, Linlithgow, have a memorial bench for him for when he's born in two hundred years. Yeah. And the shot is the shot that man's ashes into the moon also, so he can be in there. But they got to be so Christopher Lambert and Highlander also terrible. And obviously the classic yeah. Mel Gibson and Braveheart. It's uh whenever he appealed in the freedom thing, it makes me cringe from the inside out. It's it's so cringy. It's the first thing anyone goes to Scotland. Look alright, here's here's a fun one for you. You've lived all around the world from London to the Bay. Yeah. Where, what questions have you been asked about Scotland? Right, I'll tell you this. When I was, I think, 11 years old, I moved to Sacramento in California, capital of California. I moved there and the questions I was asked, literally within probably 40 hours of being in the country, I made a wee friend um, in the apartment complex I lived in and she was going to be going to the same school as me. And so she went up to my dad and said if me and her could be friends and he said yes. I don't know why she asked my dad permission, which was trying to get engaged or something, but... So me and her were talking, she says to me, Ashley, is it true you come from Scotland? And I says, yes. And she says, Do they, have you ever used the internet? Do they have the internet in Scotland? And I says, yes, of course. And she says to me, do you have running water in Scotland? And this was in the year 2001. She thought I didn't have running water in my home. Maybe I didn't have a toilet inside my house. And that was just astounding to me. I mean, I know America thinks the world begins and ends in, in America, but to think that Scottish people don't have running water, like the reason they've got penicillin and the fucking telly is because we invented it. The weirdest question I was ever asked by an American is, do you have, then the whispered, black people in Scotland? <laughs> I, which I didn't know how to answer. 
No, but it's a good question, and it's came up a lot, you know, in the past year and stuff because with, with BLM and stuff, and it's obviously a bigger issue in America because like slavery was massive over there. But that's not to say slavery didn't happen and it wasn't an issue in Scotland and in the UK. Like you look at all the street names in Glasgow and stuff, you've got a massive history of slavery, and it's definitely not something that should be hidden, um, and it's we, not something that's, that's talked about in schools and stuff. And I think definitely should be. We built the boats. Yeah, we did. We did. Well, all the names of Glasgow. We live in Jamaica Street. Sorry. Yeah. And that's yeah. named because all the plantations. They were like, we're mm-hmm. proud of that. Then all the other names around like Glasgow and all that are all slave traders, all people mm-hmm. that own plantations. It's mental. We never talked about it. Never talked about it at all. This is going to a dark place. I started on the worst Scottish accent. <laughs> the worst slavery. Scottish accent than but slavery. How, how do you uh, take these transitions? What about like the the Shrek and the, the Mike Myers and Austin Power thing? That's a bad his, accent. His dad was Scottish also. Oh, but that doesn't mean he can do a Scottish accent. Oh, it's no. like we were talking about earlier. And like Bracey brought up the fucking Gerard Butler. He was actually born and raised here and he's got one of the worst Scottish accents ever. I've noticed we like, I've got a few friends that's moved to America and their accent slows down. It's like seeing any of them on the TV and they're like, oh, Hello, I am for it's the Universal Scotland, so they can be understood over there. Mm-hmm. Which I was some something I've never understood about you from living from London from to the Bay. That your accent, you sound like you've never left Greenock. No, so I've always been here. That's not always a good thing. But see, since you were a bit frustrated about the English people playing Scottish people, how do you feel on the flip side? So like see people like like Ewan McGregor or something like that and like James McAvoy, some people actually think they're English just because of like and I had seen a story on Graham Norton a bit ago when James McAvoy was on set and um he's one of the actors he was working with because James McAvoy started speaking the Scottish accent between takes and the person couldn't understand him and asked him if he could speak in an English accent because he didn't understand what he was saying when he had his his native accent. Aye, that that was the same way. What was his name again? Guy from Greenock. Oh, let me get that. Martin Compson. Martin, Martin Compson was on the telly on that. I thought he was English. And as soon I, as he changed his accent, people just didn't understand. Either the duty, something line, line of duty, line of duty, Yeah, like they didn't know he was he. I remember him being in Greenock. I remember what, seeing him walk his dogs and he used to drink in the cafe in Greenock also. Who's your favourite Scottish actor or comedian or whatever? I'm always going to go with Billy Connolly on that as, as comedian. But Scottish actor? Mm-hmm. It might have to be Hugh McGregor. I've always loved really? him. Really? He was Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Peter I Capaldi. I Capaldi, yeah. Yeah. Capal- See, the thing is, it's your first answer, then you start thinking, then you know, like, there'll be an edit to this, like, three days later, and then I'll be shouting someone else's name. Mm-hmm. I like James McAvoy, and I like David Tennant, and not just because they're handsome men. I think they're very funny, and they're very good. Like, we were thinking about this as well. We watched that compilation, the people in the Graham Norton show, and, like, all the Scottish people on it, they're so funny. It's... I don't know. There's always a humour to the Scots when they're on this sort of thing. You have to be. But, you have to have a sense of humour to be Scottish, otherwise you wouldn't survive living here. Always that a doubt. too seriously. I love. Look, we were talking about before about when we were when lockdown was really bad. And we were waiting in a Tesco queue, and we just seen people. Uh, one guy without a mask, and then you see in America where people are like, "This is my right. This is that." And all you heard was from the queue was just some guy like, fuck up and stick a mask on. And yeah. that was it. Like, the guy just shot <laughs> Yeah. But that's the thing. It's a sense of humour thing. Um, we'll go to one of my stories next. Right, go with the story. Let's get away from that tyre fire that we went yeah. <laughs> Um, An article here saying that poorest Scots are most likely to be fined um, for coronavirus breaches, there was a study by Susan McVie of the University of Edinburgh and found that those people living in um, the most deprived, quote-unquote, parts of Scotland are um, 11.2 times more likely to receive a fine for breaching coronavirus rules. What do you think about that? 
in what sense, like not having a mask on or having a party or something like that, or I or I guess for like traveling or something like that, and like, maybe the, the reason for that is like because like, I mean if we live in Greenock, there's always this Polish driving about the place trying to catch like young boys in their cars and stuff, people speeding and things like that. Maybe I don't know. Maybe in these like fancy areas, the Poles are near about as much and don't people catch don't, people. I don't know. Don't find the Poles on people, but if you look at it, look, look at the. Look at that, oh, I can't even remember his name now. It's been that long. Boris Johnson's, like, aide guy that went to see if he could see and ended Dominic up driving Cummings. to Dominic Cummings driving. Don't know nothing about that. But then I've seen people getting fines for walking into Tesco's without a mask. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's just madness. Maskness. Um, the Scottish Police Authority are saying that the, their report is showing that women, older people and those with a prior criminal history in the most deprived areas had a higher than average likelihood of receiving a fine. So, if you're a big Ned and you're all known to the police to begin with, mm-hmm. you've not got a mask on, they'll just be like, all right, come here. Or, mm-hmm. I, the I thing is, know, but... I think they're probably going to be stopping them anyway because being like, oh, your car windies are too dark, you're speeding, you're playing loud music, driving too fast, whatever it is, and then stopping them and trying just to find something on them and being like, oh, you're, you're violating COVID restrictions or something. It'll be something like that. Look, where are you from? Well, is it five miles we're allowed to drive, or we're not allowed out our council area or postcode? I, I think it's like well, is it our postcode? I think it's like your local authority that you've got to stay inside of. So really, we kind of leave Inverside kind of thing. I think that's what it is. Well, that's the rules I'm sticking to anyway. I'm just sticking to whatever shops I can get to closest to my house is where I'm going to go. I just don't go anywhere. This is the longest I've been. In my adult life, anyway, that I've not been to Glasgow or been anywhere. Like usually, yeah. I I jump on a train at the weekend and go somewhere, or just mm-hmm. I I do now have an eBay account though, so that's probably yeah. going worse. Open up the world to you. Yeah. On that topic, maybe we should move on to the new rules that First Minister have announced about coming out of lockdown for us. Have you get anything on that? I'm going with the lots of. Science and actual rules, but most red tops that I've got just mention when you can get a haircut, when mm-hmm. you can go for a pint, because that's all that really matters. Um, I have the Herald, and they're saying that the first minister saying we need to rely very heavily on restrictions to su- suppress the virus. But once more people have had their first dose of the vaccine with a target date of mid July for all adults, we do hope that vaccination will become our main tool for suppression. Um, in hopes that most of Scotland would place it to level three, but it's only been adapted sort of level three, you know, the way it used to be, they're going to change it, um, which means that non-essential retail, hospitality and gyms and hairdressers can reopen. Although under, the so again, the level three might change rules, but under current rules, alcohol cannot be served in pubs in level three. So we need to just wait and see, but she's been heavily criticised on this one, isn't she? And it's saying the, as well that, um, she's hoping that everybody's going to be able to go out and t- like the week before the Scottish elections are due to be, so everybody can go out and do a voting. I thought the hairdressers were <clears> the 27th of April, which is a week after my birthday. Yeah. The hairdressers... Tra- yep. Yeah. Same day as Hitler. But, uh, but the 27th is meant to be the day all that kind of stuff goes in, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But I don't... I really don't see it happening. I'm not trying to be the fucking... The, the voice of doom here and stuff, but I really don't see that being. I, I, no, I don't. I don't see it happening. Because really, would that say if like a week before the elections, right? And she was like, "Everything's back to normal. We're all good." Mm-hmm. Then just after gets hundreds of votes and be like, "No, I didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've already got all your votes." Oh. But this but week, if I can just, if I can talk on something briefly, because this week we've, um, we're, we're very big on supporting local business and things, because during this lockdown, it's been tough for a lot of people. Some people have had to work really hard to keep, like, sort of small businesses open, try to keep themselves afloat, and it's been really hard. Um, and so this week we've been working with Inverclyde Boiler Company, um, and they're a great wee business, family run, and they're the number one heat installer in Inverclyde. 
it might not seem like something that you need to be able to know somebody that's a, a boiler company, but it's a good thing to keep on your phone because you never know when you're going to need it. Um, they're rated five star on Trustpilot and again, local business supporting local people. Um, and they did struggle a lot during lockdown, but thankfully being able to keep their doors open, but you can find them at the EmberclaidBoilerCompany.co.uk and the number 01475-503304 and they're on Instagram as well at the Emberclyde Boiler Company, but under slashes in between. But it's, it's been good, isn't it, to be able to support somebody local? Yeah, that is good. But also, it just makes me think back to when I was leaving school, my mum told me to get a trade. Yeah. That's the smartest thing you can do, really, because, I mean, I, I mean, <clears throat> I guess in times like this, it's it's not good that you can't get into people's homes and stuff like that, and it's not much use to you, but, like, having a trade, you're never really going to go wrong. It's a smart thing. Has your dad not got a trade? Is that not, like, that keeps him, like, keeps him employed wherever he is, like, having a trade? Oh, that's how my dad earns mega money like, over here. Like, so my dad trained as like, a plater in Ferguson's in Port Glasgow and um, done welding and stuff like that. But in the moved over to Australia a few years ago and when he worked over there, he got jobs in the mine sites and over there they earn fucking well, over 100 grand a year and stuff like that, like crazy money. So he's still there, still doing that. So people wear trades, you're always going to get money in that. I was like 10 or 15 years too short to, from getting shipped into Ferguson's. I was... I hit my 16, 17 when like, this was Silicon Valley in Greenock and there were people getting flung into factories. Like, mm. As soon as you become 16, you go piss in a cup, pass that, and you're in a factory. I was in power management for my first job. What does that mean? Well, my job was to turn on the computer. Mm-hmm. And if it went on, it passed. I got moved on to another job, which was a screen tester, an odd AV tier, an audio-visual tester, which was, if the screen's red, you hit R. If the screen's green, hit G. If the screen's blue, hit I was B. going to say that job sounds very technical and surely you're not qualified for that, but I guess if it was just hitting R or G, you could probably manage that. Oh, then you hit space and it warbles, and if it warbled, you had to put in the number how many times it warbled. All right, okay. Um, another person percent. we've worked with this week, which has been exciting, is Kieran Lang, who's a young graphic designer, and he's created a new logo for us, which you can see uh, when we put our podcast up. You can get the podcast on Spotify, Apple, and Google now, and the logos on our Instagram and stuff as well. But he's going to help us make a wee website and do our social media and all that sort of stuff. But again, he's a, a young local person. He's just like trying to get yourself a education, try to like get better at your skill and stuff, works really hard. He's such a lovely person and he's helped us out do that. We've helped him out with like, his portfolio and stuff like that. And you should always pay people that help you. Don't be paying and exposure and stuff. Nobody likes that. Young people need paid as well. Yeah, it's good to get some cash. Yeah. I like the logo. It's good to it made me smile the first time I seen it, I was like, now it actually feels like a real podcast that we've got a logo and stuff. I know, and he's so nice, Kieran as well, he, like, he works so hard and he's like, so enthusiastic and stuff, because like, a lot of the people I spoke to like, asking for help and stuff were kind of like, oh, I whatever, and a bit sort of bored and jaded by it, but he's very much like, I'm not going to let you down, I'm going to do as much as I can, and you know what he's been doing, he's been going and like, seeking out extra education and stuff like that, trying to like, make himself better so he can do stuff better to help us and stuff, and try and get other business and things, I think it's just so good, and I hope other people go and support him, his name's Kieran Lang, and um, we're going to tag him on our Instagram as well, and you can find him there, he's just created an Instagram this week that's going to sort of showcase his portfolio, but he's so lovely, and he'll absolutely go out of his way to help you, and this is not a paid ad or any stuff like that, he's just a lovely person, he deserves help, and try and make himself what he wants to be, and get in a good career and stuff, he's a great person, he's got a lot of talent. So one day we can boast about actually, he made a logo? Yeah, we can say, oh, Kieran Lang, that famous graphic designer, he done our logo back in the day. I will sell t-shirts and give him no pennies. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about the Golden Globes? I'm done with the Golden Globes. Let me get that up. The Golden Globe. It's not, is it? I know they've been out for a couple of weeks because I've seen people cry when they got, because it's all, it's not going to be like a, is it not all in-house? So they're pretty much sitting dressed up on their couch this year? I think so. But, like, again, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm terrible with stuff like this. Like I I don't watch, watch much telly or movies and stuff like that. So there's a couple of things I've seen. I probably can't I get do. into detail about much things. But see, what I'm curious about is the, it's called The Flight Attendant, but it's on HBO Max. So I don't know how I can watch it in this country, but it's got Kaylee Coco, or however you say her name, from um, Big Bang Theory. 
and that's been nominated for a few things. I'd quite like to see that. There must be some illegal way that you can do that. I'm sure somebody can yeah, pass Yeah, Missy is in that also. Missy? Um, yeah. Elliot? Oh, no, Missy from Doctor Who. I couldn't remember her real name, so that's why I just called her by her Doctor Who name, the female master. Oh, yeah, right. I like her. Uh, who is Scottish also? Who would be on, like, one of my favourite actors from Scotland also? Yeah. I like her. She's good. Um, what's Hugh Grant nominated for? The Undoing? What's The Undoing? I, I don't think I've seen it. Because I've got the list, so... Well, he's predicted to win anyway, Hugh Grant, for The Undoing. He's predicted to win Best Actor in a Limited Series or TV Movie. He is yeah. getting good as he gets older. Well, not that he wasn't good when he was younger, but he's starting to be in, like, quite sort of funny things and doing documentaries and stuff. It's good. And did they not go against... Did he not like, go against uh, the phone hacking thing also? Was he not on yeah. Newsnight a lot? I like, like, he... The whole phone tapping thing, I done that. So also, look, I know you watch Sheets Creek. Shits, I don't know how it's Shits Creek. Shits Creek, yeah. Look, they're up for... They're up for a lot. Catherine O'Hara's up for... Best actress. actress. Yeah. Who's up against... I don't think I've seen anything else that anyone else is up for. I never watched Emily in Paris. Never watched Flight Attendant. I never watched The Great. So We're not very good to be speaking on, on this, are we? One thing we have that... watched... One thing we have watched... Best Supporting Actress in a Series, Limited Series or TV Movie... Gillian Anderson in The Crown. I, I have over 20 years... Uh, coming up for 20 years, I've loved Gillian Anderson... You have like from X Files days to now, and she's. I don't want to say that I found uh, that I find Margaret Thatcher attractive. Like I would, I would hit myself with a stick thinking about that. But, but she was amazing, and, and her accent was fantastic. Also, uh, I think she's she's actually up against Helena Bonham Carter also in, in the Crown, starred in that. But um, she Gillian Anderson's tipped to win Best Supporting Actress, which I think is well deserved. She done the accent great. She looked great. She was very like, engaging in it and. I loved it. I think that latest series of The Crown was really good. The yeah, I've just looked at that category. I don't really, I don't think I've actually seen anything else in it. So what's past that? Mm. Um, what what's, what category have we seen things in? Best actress in a TV series drama. Um, Olivia Coleman for The Crown is up in that. Jodie Comer for Killing Eve. I know that's really popular. Also Emma Corrin for The Crown, who played um <clears throat> Princess Diana. So again, two Crown people were head-to-head in that. They're saying Emma Corrin's tip to win Best Actress in a TV series drama. See, I really I really love Killing Eve. Like, Killing Eve is awesome. My, my thing with it is, it does feel like Sex for the City with violence because mm. it's, it's just sexy outfits and bloodshed, which is pretty mm. good. It kind of looks as if the crown's going to like, clean up across the board. The Best Actor in a TV series drama is said to be Josh O'Connor in The Crown who played Prince Charles. He was very good. And the Crown City win Best Television Series Drama as well. Against The Mandalorian, you'll be upset to hear. See, Is The Mandalorian that's... a drama? Yeah, I wouldn't call it a comedy. It, it fits all the things. Could but... you tell me, because I've never watched The Mandalorian, could you tell me in like a minute or less, what actually is it about? Because all I know is the Baby Yoda. All right. It's about, do you know, like, where do I have to go from here? Because I know you have, you have history. You have priors with Star Wars. Kikin, I don't have priors, like for me and for the listeners, like just assume that we don't and go ahead and tell us that we know Star Wars is a thing and we know the general premise of it. Okay, here goes. Star the Mandalorian is about a bounty hunter who is a Mandalorian who go who on one of his first one of he's been going for a while, one of the thing one of the his bounties is he found the baby Yoda and he went to go hand him in and he had a heart and was like, I can't do this. So went back and took them off of it. Because it's based after the original thing, so Darth Vader's been taken down and the world doesn't know how to kind of react to it because... Can I just say, no, I've played it, but my husband's explained to me what The Last of Us is and that sounds like The Last of Us. Oh, um, yeah. It's, it's all comes from the whole, like, man that is very, like down on the world and insular, then he finds a young partner that makes him open up to the world and think about other things. And they go on an adventure. It goes well, it goes back to like Lone Wolf and Cub and stuff. Lone Wolf and Cub is pretty much what it is. It's about 
an older violent man with a history who gets a young apprentice and then mm-hmm. they go on adventures. Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. It's, right. it's, you should watch it. It's really good. Mm, I don't know if I could stick to that. Just get into the first episode. And another thing that's up on on the Golden Globes is I've told you to watch Ted Lasso. Yeah, that's Ted... it. When I think Jason Sudeikis is it says going to win something for that. Yeah, it's. I wasn't sure, like, because I was like, oh, American doing football, like, actual British football. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a wee bit like, uh, and it's one of the most loving, heartfelt TV shows. Like, I sat and like, I just smiled through the whole thing. Like, usually I watch, like, either sci fi or, like, dark dramas and stuff, but this was the first, like, open comedy. Well, at heart, I had that same sort of feeling. Is what the office did. Mm-hmm. I fully support it. Can I broach a topic to you that I read recently? <clears throat> you know, John Turode from the MasterChef, the Aussie fella. Is that the bald one? No, the one with the grey hair. Oh, the the taller one that always looks kind of drunk. Yeah. So he's completely insane that he and his wife, actress Lisa Faulkner, we would never ever consume food in front of the television. I don't understand why people would want to sit with some food on their lap and dribble down their shirt all over a clean sofa. A sofa is for sitting on and enjoying and relaxing, not for eating. What's your opinion on that as a very Scottish man? Do you feel comfort in sitting on the couch eating your tea or do you want a set dinner table? See, until I was like 16, 17, my mum would pull the dinner table out in the hall and we would sit in the hall and talk. It would sit until it would bring our, bring our day into it. It wasn't until the boys, like, started, like, having their own lives. Like, I would come in and that would be a part of my day. Really? Yeah, we've always been like that. And my nan, my nan still uses her dinner table to eat her tea. Like, that's where she eats her tea. Like, she's she's built on it. She doesn't eat in front of the telly. Maybe it's just the way I was raised, but it seems to me a very Scottish thing that is just, you sit with it on your knee and you watch, I don't know, Countdown or whatever's on at six o'clock. Well, what I think well, what happened to me was we were told we had to sit at this and we would wolf it down so we could watch the TV. Mm. So I probably would have been better watching TV and eating than I would like sitting somewhere and like have to eat quick so I could go catch like what was on, like Games Master or whatever was on at that time. In your own life now, are you a, a dinner table user or do you prefer just to sit on the couch with your tea? I like meals with people and stuff. Like, I know people don't like meals with me. I'm left-handed, dyspraxic, and can barely, like, miss my face. Like, every time I, I come out, I look like a clown. Like, it looks like I've been eating people because I've got stuff all over my face. And the moustache <laughs> keeps stuff for days. Like, you... <laughs> so, I, I've been told before by a friend of mine that watching me a KFC Twister was the most harrowing event in their life. Oh, my God. <laughs> so... Jesus. Um, I I like eating my dinner in front of the telly. I think it's nice and, like, communal. Like, my mum makes us eat at the dinner table if I go to her house. If it's on, like, Christmas or Thanksgiving or, like, somebody's birthday or something like that, she'll make us do it. She likes sitting at the dinner table. But my mum's very much, like, uh, likes cheese and crackers and wee snacks and stuff, so she'll put stuff on the coffee table and do, like, a wee buffet. But I, I don't like sitting at a dining table. I think it's... Like my husband's family, I think they pretty much eat the, the dinner exclusively at a dining table. Whenever I've went there for a meal, they're always sitting at the dining table and they've got a nice light above it. They've got like, the wee lazy Susan in the middle with all the wee condiments and stuff and they sit and they chat. And his family are very opposite to mine in that they'll sit and make an event of the dinner. Like my family will sit and they'll wolf that food down and on like 30 seconds or less. My husband's family will sit and talk and they'll have like courses and desserts and then they'll have like coffee at the end and they'll sit with the coffee for a bit and then they'll go and maybe get like whiskey or mere wine or whatever they're having and it's a massive thing. They'll just sit for ages and when you go out for dinner with them, you're going to be there for days. That's that's interesting. Well, that's like a, a traditional family unit sort of thing. Yeah. His family's very normal. Mine is mental. But if you look, both of us, both all our families worked on shifts. Look, my mum's a nurse. Like my stepdad was a taxi driver. It was like mm-hmm. this was the only time. Like everyone was passing in and passing out. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was madness. Like and I know your dad worked shift and your mum's a nurse too. So 
Yeah. It, it would be like you would get to see each other for five minutes or you've been told not to talk because your mum's sleeping because she's on a night shift. Yeah, exactly. But Bryce's mum was a nurse as well and like his dad was out all day working and stuff. I think he was like an engineer sort of thing. And But uh, they would always like sit and like, like they drink wine at dinners as well, which my family doesn't do. My family's like a sort of Coke Zero or Iron Brew can sort of family, but they all have like wine or whiskey and like whiskey extra wine during it and, or like a beer or something his daddy will have and coffee and everything and like if, if, I, if I go to like dinner with them to like restaurants and stuff they'll fully get like all the courses and like they'll really like in, sit and enjoy it and my, you've seen my family you've been in my family at restaurants even if we go out to eat in a restaurant like we ideally want to walk into the restaurant that they already know what we want to eat and it's on the table we sit and we eat for 30 seconds to a minute and we walk out still chewing like that's that's ideal for my family See, the other thing is, look, I've never been, look, unless it's a, I can have a beer and a burger, but I, I prefer a soft drink. Look, I've never been able to drink and eat. It doesn't work for me. Well, like booze? Yeah, booze. I can't do booze and eating at the same time. No, I agree with that. I can't do that either. But my dad's, like, a pretty big drinker and he doesn't eat when he's done either. He doesn't like it. He prefers to wait. He, he can go home and sit and relax and like, enjoy his drink and stuff. He doesn't want to just scarf it down. I've never been in raised in a household that is like always sitting have an alcoholic drink with a dinner. Like dinner, you have like water or soft drink. Yeah, I can't do a tea with it either. Hot drink doesn't work for eating either, unless it's like a cake and and Costa. I can guarantee there's one exception to that, and it's probably the same exception I've got. And probably back in the day, unless you would go and have like a fish tea, like fish and chips and bread and a cup of tea, you could probably have a hot drink. Oh yeah, that that usually comes exclusively with it. With your yeah. With your pe- Another Scottish thing with, with the meal thing, right, that you always pull mm. me up on, and I always find kind of funny because this was just the way I was raised, is bread. Is like... Yes, so much bread. <laughs> so, so much bread. Like, we did this before, we were delivering soup to my mum, and my mum's like, I, I can't have that soup if I don't have four bits of bread. <laughs> we had to bring our bread too to go with it, which I thought was no, quite but... funny. There'll be things that you can, that the, the rest of the household will be eating and eating perfectly fine, but you'll need to put it in a roll or between two bits of bread. Like, you can't just eat it as is. Like, I've seen you put, like, pies and stuff in it. Like, things that are fine just to be alone. A pie, don't ever talk about bad about a pie roll. That's a piece of chips is, like, like, if I was going to be taken to the, the death, Ash, and they asked me if my last meal was, I'd be like, get me a piece of chips. There we go. No, Tommy sauce. That's not good. Um, if I can go into another classically Scottish thing here, I've got another article on. Um, so, you know, last year with COVID and all that sort of thing, in Scotland we do exams called hires and advanced hires or na- national fives and stuff like that. But COVID made all that be cancelled. And so what the teachers had to do was look back on all the exam results and sort of predict what the, the students' grades were going to be. And what they've said is due to that happening, there's been a 29% surge in exam results from what they would usually see. Um, in England, they've seen a wee bit of a, a rise, but um, in Scotland, it's 29 times. Uh, and I was chatting to my husband about this last night and we were saying about it could be a bad thing and that these students are maybe going to use these results to go into college or university and it might be a course they're not actually able to to study. And, you know, so the, the, what they've said here is, which they do not have the requisite ability, but they might struggle with the workload and stuff, etc. Or on the flip side, it could be that maybe they are smart people, they're bright and stuff like that, but the exams are not everybody's strong point and that basing it on their coursework is a bit more fair. Um, and we sort of mooted the point that you could maybe assess school students the way you'd be assessed in college or university and that your attendance would 10% of it, one assignment would be like 20%, the exam would be 30%, you know, that sort of way. Um, as some like for you, somebody with dyslexia, how would you feel on that? Because I know exams are not your strong suit, but coursework you do very well. Look, my exams was never good. I was given a reader and scribe for it back in the day, and like the I don't know, I don't have a good memory or anything like that. And if you put me on that, you put me on the spot, and like that is just a tiny fraction of what I can do, and I panic. Like, I I don't decent on my exams but it's not a strong part like especially people with learning disabilities like dyslexia dyspraxia like that's not how we're going to get our things done like that's that's no way to to test us Mm -hmm. 
And the other thing that I feel about that, like, I don't know if this was dealt with. Do you remember the one that was saying that people from affluent areas ended up with better grades than people with? Yeah. Well, that's always that's always a really weird one. Mhm. But how did you do in exams with that? Like, how do you feel about it? Like, yeah, I know you. I I I generally did kind of already in exams. I did quite well. Um, I've got my strong suits. Obviously, I was always better at English and stuff rather than maths and. Um, but I, I don't really feel the pressure of exams. Like I think I'm going to do what I can do, and if I can't do it, then whatever, I'll reset it or do whatever I need to do. It's never been a huge pressure on me, but I don't go to bits in it. Saying that, though, I have failed several driving tests. That's the one exam that seems to elude me. I go blank but, on things. Yeah. In school, were, you a, were you a big reader in school? Did you enjoy sort of novels? And... Oh, actually, I'm sorry about that, Luke. I was in learning support. Like, I didn't have to do French. They, they says that I struggled with English language enough that they, they would not let me do a language, which I thought was nerd. That's French mm-hmm. for shit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, whereas a, a learning support teacher had the same sort of chip on the shoulder that I did, and she was like, all right, see, since you're not doing this, you're going to read a book and gave me A Tale of Two Cities. And I learned that. Well, we, we ended up doing that and writing a report on it, which they weren't touching that until, like, either college or fifth or sixth year. We were do- she had us doing, like, higher work for people thought, like, oh, if she set up for those languages, you're just going to sit in a wee room and it'll be daddy's, like, trying to put jigsaws together. Yeah. And she pushed, and she's always, like, as I said, I was always, like, a big strong boy. Like, she always pushed me. That's lovely. Like, that's a nice story. I was just thinking on that because um, the Telegraph have released their 100 greatest novels of all time and I was wondering if I could read the top 10 and see how many you've read. If there's 100 of them, I'm not going to read that. I'll just do the top 10. Right. What if I've seen the film? If you've seen the film, we'll count it, but I doubt you have. Right. All right, let's go. Number 10, Don Quixote by Miguel de Cervantes, written in 1605. You gave me that, and I have that. So I've read that. I think the actual one I've got is a children's abridged, but it was. <laughs> but, but I still read it. Uh, number nine, Mrs. Dalloway by Virginia Woolf, written in nineteen twenty-five. No, I have not read that. Have you, eight, you read? Um, I've read Don Quixote. I've not read Mrs. Dalloway. Uh, number eight, Disgraced by G.M. Coetzee, and from from nineteen ninety-nine. No, I, I've never heard of that. Number seven, I've read one of my favourites, Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte, written in 1847. I may have seen the film. You've probably seen the film. I would say you've seen the film, most likely. Yeah. Uh, number six, In Search of Lost Time by Marcel Proust, written in 1871 to 1922. And I would say that's absolute horseshit. I would say whoever's made up this list is saying it to sound smart. I bet you've not read that book by Marcel Proust because it would be dull as old dishwater. I know it's a seven-volume autobiographical meditation on memory featuring literature's most celebrated cake and I think it's absolute horseshit that somebody sat and read that and put it at number six of the greatest novels of all time. Could I get it in Audible? And is it read by Stephen Fry? Because I'll give it a bash if Stephen Fry or Brian Breath is, le- is reading it. Knock that out. I doubt it. Number five yeah. I've read as well which is absolutely interminably dull. Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad written in 1902. It's very, very boring. I played a video game called Heart of Darkness, but I doubt that's got anything to do with it. Mm, doubt it. Uh, number four, The Portrait of a Lady by Henry James from 1881. No. Never, Three, never heard of it. Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy from 1878. Again, no, no, no clue. Mm. Uh, two, Moby Dick by Herman Melville, 1851. I feel I should say I have read it, but I've probably just seen the Disney cartoon of it. And that's Moby, all. Moby Dick is 900 pages long. No, there were no chance that that would be reading that. That's too big, even big for my bag. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, even carry that. The number one greatest novel of all time, Middlemarch by George Eliot, written in 1871. I've never even heard of that. I thought yeah. we were going to get of Mice and Men or something like that. But... No, actually, I, f- I feel that it's a very skewed list. I don't agree with it at all. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of the things on it it's just written by somebody trying to sound smart and it's absolute horseshit. 
my husband was infuriated to see that To Kill a Mockingbird was at number 99. He felt that should be much higher up. Look, did you see... Well, I'm always interested where Stephen King ends up in these sort of lists. Uh, I don't see him on it. It's... No. I mean, Catch-22 no. is here. I'm trying to look, pick up notable books. Uh, sort of most people have read. Uh, Crime and Punishment is on there, which... People say they've read, nobody's read Crime and Punishment. Shut the fuck up. Um, Lolita? I have read that and I have seen the film twice. Um, Catcher in the Rye. Catcher in the Rye is at 52. Who wrote this list? I don't think I've ever read Catcher in the Rye. I, I just know the notoriousness of if I ever become a serial killer or something like that, I have to have it with me. Yeah, is, is that that's the sort of thing? The sort of thing culture. That got. Yeah, you're like, oh, I did it because I catch him their eye. You're like, you, you, you didn't. You've yeah. not read it. I, I, I would say that whoever made this list has not read ninety nine percent of these things. All right, give me the Ashy top three novels. What is your is your read? I'm, I'm not much a novel book. person. I'm not much an awful person. I read non-fiction bits, so I couldn't, Wait, I couldn't comment on that. Books? No, I'm not participating in this. We're not participating? We're not having Ashley Keenan's Bryson book report? No, because I love books. I couldn't possibly narrow them down to the best three because they're all good for different ways. But I'm very into John Sopel books just now because I did a John Sopel Zoom class this week with you. And I thought it was so interesting. And I think it, was a very, it was very interesting. And it, was, it was very funny. Yeah, it was very funny. Have you got any interesting and weird stories for us today? I, I always have a look. In, I've seen something in Russia that dogs were getting died because of pollution, which wasn't funny at all. It was just the pictures of the dogs died blue. It was the only thing that i seen from that. So I always look on weird. But the thing that it came, because I remember you talking about the whiskey in the last episode. Yeah. And how it went for that. So I always look for that sort of stuff in like, I know your brother was into it, and I know like people our age was into it. Was Pokemon cards? I, I, I think I actually went up to it in the whiskey story. Let me look around and try and find it while you talk. All right. So, someone is someone in London is selling is going to auction with their original booster set cards valued between fourteen and eighteen thousand. They're also seventy sealed. Team Rocket boosters, which will go for fifteen to eighteen thousand. Generally, first edition cards are highly sought after, and just one Dragonite expected to fetch up to five grand. So that is crazy. Who's buying that? Look, the first edition of like the base set Charizard sold in November for I found my whiskey story update. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, go for it. Um, so, what was it on Sunday I was talking about this, was it? Yeah. Um, so, I was saying that the artist, Peter Blake, who was a co-creator of the Sgt. Pepper's album art for the Beatles, had done artwork on this bottle of whiskey and it was going up for sale um, and they were expecting it to reach about £600,000. Um, it has now went to auction and has fetched one million pounds, and it's been dubbed as the Holy Grail of single malts. It's a Macallan 1926 fine and rare 60 year old, sold by Perth based whisky auctioneer. Um, it's the first bottle ever to fetch a seven figure sum at a Scottish auction, and the first anywhere to hit the landmark sum in an online only sale. And apparently, it, it, it's it's from the collection of this American businessman called Richard Gooding who spent 35 years travelling all over Scotland trying to get a bottle of whiskey from every single distillery, whether it was open still or whether it was a closed one. Um, and he got this Macallan one, which is from a batch, and apparently it's like a legendary cask number, number 263, and there was only 14 of these bottles made, um, this 263, and it's went for a million quid, and some of them have been like painted by famous artists and stuff like that. Um, and that one went for a million pounds. It hasn't broke the world record, though. The current world record for a bottle of whiskey at auction stands at 1.2 million for a bottle from the same release, actually, as that one. And that was sold at Sotheby's in October 2019. A million quid for a bottle of whiskey.
Were you listening to me? Oh, I had it on mute because I was actually talking about. I seen the bottle and it's beautiful. Was it still a lot of money? Yes, yeah, that's the sort of thing where I would have, I would get drunk at the pub, I would come back, and I would end up drinking it and forgetting. Or if it was in my house, I would be like, "Oh, I've drunk some of your whiskey." But it's, like, I don't have any expense. I don't have expensive things like that. But I, I couldn't justify it. Um, I'm surprised you don't have as many weird stories because I, I've actually got a weird one today. Oh, what's your weird stories? As, as you know, I'm called a weird on that. Um, I found a story of a mutant baby shark discovered by a fisherman, and the shark has a human face due to a rare condition. Oh, I've seen that picture. Well, I, 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 I've seen it. It looks weird. It looks like a stuffed toy. Uh, it, looks like, it looks fake, but I wouldn't say it's a human face. I mean, it's got big round goggly eyes and stuff. So I can Google this. I found it on the mirror. Um, but I say it's got a rare condition, so it's got a human face. I feel that this is my Carl Pilkington moment. I just read the headline, a baby shark being found by a human face. Oh, I've seen it. What do you think? Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> it kind of looks like the Goodyear man. Is that what, not does, the Goodyear Michelin man? The Michelin man. Apparently it's got a rare condition called Psychopia. Because I thought that was nostrils when I seen it, so that's its eyes. That's it looks size, like a, I think it, it looks like a muppet. That is weird, or a ghost, like the Ghostbusters logo. Will we will we put a wee picture of it uh, on um, for Instagram and let people see it. I would go with that. Then I'm now looking down the other things that that has happened. Oh. The weird news on this place is usually fairly good. We would notice her photos have been bumped from her mum's display. That's that's not even interesting. Have you seen this one? The woman left looking like Barney the dinosaur after dyeing her hair. She's dyed it purple. Oh, I see that now. Have you ever done that? Like, I know I've dyed my forehead a good couple of times when I was younger. Um, I've not dyed myself purple with Barney the Dinosaur, but I've um, I've had my hands definitely marked, yeah. I've ruined a good few t-shirts in my time also. Oh, the other thing that I've seen, that I've seen it on Vice today, and they were talking about tattoos. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about, like, how in the early 90s, or the mid-90s to, like, early 2000s, I was a goth and, like, big Marilyn Manson fan, and people getting Manson tattoos. But now dealing with the idea that he's a supposed sexual assault and rapist, and like, you don't want to be walking about with that big face smiling at you all the time. And like, how are people dealing with that? Yeah, having like a tattoo of something that turned out to be a body, pretty much, or having something like that. Like people with like, lost profit tattoos. Yeah, that's an awkward one. Like as a young girl, did you ever feel the the need to to get a tattoo of Marilyn Manson or similar? See, the idea is I was a skint young goth for yeah. a good chance I would have had a Sweet Dreams tattoo or something like that that I would what be like, instantly regretting now. Sweet Dreams are made of these? Yeah, that was a... They did a cover of it. It wasn't very good. But there were... I, I've known people that's got the Antichrist Superstar logo tattooed on them, but they usually get sleeves like you can barely notice it. But it... Did you have, look, I know that you don't have any dumb tattoos. I have a fucking banana and a man with a spoon, and I have that mm. tattoo in the back of my neck that makes me look like a member of Creed. But isn't it an Oscar winning cartoon? That is an Oscar winning cartoon. It rejected it won Best Short Film, Best Short Animation. There's a, a story here that got a man got a huge picture of Boris Johnson tattooed on his stomach. He was trying to raise money for a family friend with four, stage four cancer, and he uh, hoping to raise £150,000. And I think he done it and got the tattoo or something. for like, He was sponsored, I guess. To get a big tattoo of Boris Johnson. Have you not got a thing on Boris Johnson today? It was speaking to some children about their careers day. Oh, yeah, I do. It is from... Let me try to find... You know Herald. good newspaper... Yes. 
I do, but it's not from the Herald. It's from the Guardian, is it? What is it? Oh, wait, I've had. <clears throat> Don't you? Oh yeah, I've got it here. Because you know what happened there? Students? I was going through it and I ended up lifting the wrong thing, and it was a big picture of cabbage that I had. That you yeah. Cut out. Yeah. Oh, Boris Johnson was, if people didn't know, was a journalist before he was that, like 10, 20 years ago he was a journalist? I mean, if it's a very loose term, same journalist, yeah. Yeah. And he went through, and he says he quit journalism because he felt guilty about abusing or attacking people and putting himself, without putting himself in other people's shoes. And I, I quote, I was a journalist for a long time I still am really I still write stuff he told the people that it's a great job it's a great profession the trouble with it is you sometimes find yourself always abusing and attacking people and he totally doesn't do that now no he finds it hard to be critical of people and at times I I was guilty because you don't get to put yourself in their in their shoes if you want to go back and look at his thing look but he wrote that column in 2018, if you remember, where he says butkers look like letterboxes are bank robbers. Mm-hmm. He also wrote in a column that he described black people as pickaninnies, with mm-hmm. watermelon smiles. Yep. In 1989, in his Telegraph column, that he used the phrase tank-topped bum boys to describe gay people. So he doesn't mix his words. And we um, were talking on Sunday about Chris Packets, and there's a Boris Johnson story about Chris, isn't there? Oh, uh, he mentioned that Brig, that the EU wanted to stop and ban prawn cocktail crisps. Which is not at all true. No merit whatsoever. These days, uh, people to this day are still using that as a, a chance to slate the European Union, which is not at all yeah. true. He made it up because he had nothing else going on. I've seen pictures of British neo-Nazis with packs of walkers on a big fucking, like, banner. Like, that's what they're going to go to the EU about. I kind of find the prawn cocktail flavour, Chris, now. What, kind, what is your favourite prawn cocktail, Chris? Well, I would just, I would get walkers, probably, if I was getting prawn cocktail, Chris. Skips is prawn cocktail also. Have you heard, I know you're a big fan, have you heard that Golden Girls is supposed to be on Disney Plus? Is it? I know um, it's not on yet, but I, I heard that it was going to be. But... Well, the Metro have got it on here today, saying it's going to be on there soon. Oh, so it's not up yet. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to that because getting the DVDs were going to cost me like seventy pound to get them, and if I can get them like that, they'll be burned onto my screen. I have a massive. I, I was brought up on the Golden Girls and didn't me know too. why it was funny. I, it's such a weird thing that like not a lot of people get ready to like watch it, but. Me and you were both brought up on it, which is the weirdest thing. So, where because I used to sit in with my nan and I watched all this nonsense and like how I ended up at a love for countdown, which mm-hmm. you were fantastic at. Like, if anyone doesn't know, just the words, but just the words. I, I sit, like, it's it, it feels like watching Usain Bolt like that. Like, you know, you couldn't do that in real life, but you're watching someone be that talented and watching Ash where it goes. And these are your letters, and Ash is like, I've got eight, and I'm like, own T, sir, that's two, ain't it? <laughs> and Ash is like, throwing it, and she gets better than the people there. Then when we wait for Judy to go through the, the dictionary, and she's just like, there you go, there were a nine there. And like, <laughs> I, I, my brain doesn't work that way. Like, I find it fascinating. She doesn't like, like doing it because as soon as we put it on, she's like, you're going to make me work here. Because me and Bryce just sit and watch her, watch her brain move. Pulsate on on countdown. You could win countdown. You could. I couldn't. You could I get can't other do teapot. maths. I can't yeah, do the maths. The maths only take up like one question. The other ones is just is just that. When is a teapot? I've got another story for you. You have got a celebrity connection now. Connect me. How? Gordon Ramsay has been told to slow down by his doctors after discovering arthritis in his knee, which I believe you suffer with. Yep, I have that. He is 58 years old and has been an athlete, as you know. He's he's a footballer in a previous life and does marathons and stuff now. You're just a fat, approaching 40 gentleman. 
I did things in the past. I, I, I tried to wrestle. It? I tried to wrestle. Uh, you tried to skateboard. I, I tried to. I fell off skateboards. I don't have balance. I did. I mostly use skateboards for other things. For for rolling, let's say rolling. I rolled on a skateboard <laughs> and knocked down a hill. Yeah, let let's just say rolling. Right, I use a skateboard for rolling about. Rolling on a skateboard. And my feet weren't on it. <laughs> but I did have a skateboard. Yeah. And, and giant baggy jeans, which are coming back in. And I told you. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Right, I'm going to round this up now. Um, All right. If we can ask you to come on to our Instagram, you can chat with us. We're going to put a picture of the shark with a human face. You can see the links as well to see Kieran Lang, who designed our logo, and to the Everclyde Boiler Company, so you can support local businesses here in Greenock. It's a very good thing to do. It's very nice. And you can chat to us too as well, which is fascinating. And we will be back on Sunday at three minutes past one with Sunday brunch. Won't we? Yep. We'll see how that goes. Is anything happening until then? Look, we can watch or... Well, saying that, we will be back on Sunday with Sunday brunch, but we might be back on Friday, depending on the Alex Salmon situation. So if Alex Salmon testifies, we'll come back on Friday and speak to you, but if not, we'll see you on Sunday. Can we call it uh, Catch a Salmon? Can we go we can call it. We can call it Catch a Salmon. If we're here on Friday, we're out with Catch a Salmon. If not, we'll see you on Sunday at three minutes past one. Thank you so much for listening. It's always a pleasure, Rash. Thank you. And you can find us the podcast there. now. If you want to listen to all this again for some reason, it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Yeah, that makes it sound almost legit. And we're not at all. We're idiots. But thank you so much for listening to Odyssey. We appreciate it. And we'll speak to you soon. Speak to you soon. And we're too legit to quit. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>